are listening to the Plano Pulse, a Plano Chamber podcast keeping you in tune with the heartbeat of the local business community. It's time for the Plano Pulse. The Chamber's Public Policy Committee is kicking off our fall programming this month with a member survey asking for input and priorities in each of our focus areas as we begin to build our legislative agenda for Texas's 87th legislative session in 2021. The final two public policy committee meetings in 2020 will take place September 16th and November 18th, where the legislative agenda will be discussed. While we do not yet know how the 87th legislative session in Austin will function in the area of COVID and social distancing, we do know the Plano Chamber will continue to be engaged and actively advocating on behalf of our business community. We hope you'll join us for this important discussion. If you're interested in this process or joining our public policy committee, please contact Christine Wonderlich at the Chamber. You can find all our direct contact information as well as policy updates on our website at planochamber.org. Thank you for joining us for Plano Pulse, recorded here at the Plano Chamber office. I'm Kelly Marcellus, President and CEO of the Plano Chamber. And I'm Lisa Smith, 2020 Chair of the Board of the Plano Chamber. This podcast is brought to you by WorkSuites. Let's introduce you to today's guest. As City of Plano's Director of Communications and Community Outreach, Shauna Haley oversees process management, strategic planning, communications, and supervision of all aspects of the city's communications, marketing, and community outreach efforts. That's a lot. Yes. You are a busy lady. (laughs) She is an idea lover on a mission to bring people together, focused on sharing ideas with the potential to transform the Plano community and the North Texas region. Now, on the other side of me, we have Steve Stoller, who brings 34 years of experience as an Emmy award-winning television news reporter to his role as City of Plano's Director of Media Relations. His extensive experience in broadcast journalism and media relations give him a unique perspective on working effectively with the media. And I feel like we wake up together every morning because the first email I get is your email updates about what we're going to talk about today, emergency response and the COVID and everything. So welcome, Shauna, Steve. Thank you both so much for being here today. Thank you, Kelly. Hello, Lisa. It's good to see people. (laughs) How are you? We're so excited to see people. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, you know, Steve had a stellar career with Channel 8 for years and years, and we are so fortunate to have you in Plano. But my favorite question to Steve Stoller is always to give him a call in the middle of winter when it's when it's freezing and it might be sleeting, the roads are closed, and ask him if he misses doing those stand-up <laughs> reports on the bridge over 75 at 6 in the morning. And say, like, aren't you glad you came to Plano? Well, I am very, very glad I came to Plano. You know, I've been living here more than 20 years, so this is definitely home. And I kind of had this dream the last 10 years of my career that if I was ever to leave broadcast news, the one job I'd really love to have was working for my own community. And everything came to fruition and fell into place. Like I say, we're we're delighted to have you, but but onward. Okay, well, let me start by sincerely thanking both of you for all the amazing work you've done over the past four plus months on keeping our residents and business community informed with what's going on locally regarding COVID-19, including stats, updates on local ordinances, closures, guidelines for businesses, and so much more. What you have done is incredible and inspiring, and we are so grateful to have you join us today to give some additional insight into how you've both tackled communications during the crisis. 
one of the most visible pieces of your communication has been that the daily coronavirus updates that Kelly mentioned that you sent out via email and over social media, which track the number of infections and break them out in different ways by, by age group, zip code, gender, et cetera. Tell us more about how that process works and some of the challenges that you've faced in reporting this very dynamic and ever-evolving information. You know, Lisa, I think from the very beginning of the pandemic, the city made a commitment to not only the community, but also to city employees as well, that we would give them as much information as possible. So that was our underlying premise from the beginning. I took a personal interest because I wanted to follow all the cases in Collin County and specifically within the city of Plano. So I started tracking the numbers. Every time there was a case in Plano, I would, I would type it out, you know, in a Word document. And then, you know, it just started increasing and increasing. Well, we decided that once we started getting multiple cases in Plano, that we would put the information out in the form of a media advisory every morning that we would send not only to the local media, but also to our city employees. And, you know, I'm not a numbers guy. And I never had any intention of getting into accounting, but somehow <laughs> through this initial interest, I have become the numbers guy for the city of Plano. <clears throat> and it's, uh, it's very challenging because as the, as the cases grew over time and then we had a change in reporting, it used to, all the information used to be reported out by Collin County Healthcare Services. June 1st, <clears throat> excuse me, the reporting changed over to the State Department of Health Services, and there was a lull. For a while there, we didn't think we were going to get any numbers. So as of June 1st, when this changeover happened, we went from reporting out all this specific information to nothing. And there was an incredible response in the community. People like getting those numbers. They like knowing whether there's a trend of cases going up or down. And a lot of people spoke out. And I think the county and the state and the city as well got the message very clearly. And it was less than a week later where the state found a way to continue giving the local numbers to the county. And then through the county, we continue to get those numbers. So we resumed the reporting. But there are days, Lisa, I'll tell you, the numbers are all over the place. You know, we have a certain total of, of positive cases since the beginning of the pandemic. We have a daily total of new cases. And you look at the spreadsheet of all the individual cases, and sometimes it just doesn't match. There's positive duplicates. There's names that are on there twice. There's cases that are originally reported for Plano and Collin County, and then they're transferred to other cities or other counties. So it's in constant flux, constant change. And when you're following the numbers and you're trying to be accurate, that's, that's a real challenge. You know, one of the questions I get asked is about the, the, uh, the mortality numbers and whether or not um, there, are, there are deaths that are attributed to COVID that may be the result of poor health that, they, that are not reported correctly. Are you seeing any of that? Well, that's a good point because, you know, I, I track the deaths as well in Collin County and Plano. And as of today, we have 80 deaths and we just had our first death in Collin County where the person who passed away did not have an underlying health condition. It was a 56-year-old woman from Plano. All 79 other cases, without exception, the person had an underlying health condition. So as the country started going into a shelter at home or 
maybe a better word is a stay-at-home mode. Uh, I did learn the difference between that through this. Uh, the city really did a fantastic job of using your already established communication channels like your newsletter and your podcast to push out essential information to our to us as residents about what was going on. Can you talk a little bit about when you knew that you needed to adjust what, what was happening and kind of how you went about that? Sure. Um, one of the, the things the city did initially was to operationalize our emergency operations center. So that was bringing together all of the key leaders within the city. And really, it's more from a coordination point of view. If we're all in the same room, we can make decisions very quickly. And that that process filtered down. We knew communications was a central part of what we needed to do. So we operationalized our team. We're already a, a high discussion team. And I think it's important for folks to understand that Steve and I technically are different departments, but we office together because our work is dependent on one another. The, the outward facing, the inward facing, it goes back and forth. So Every day, multiple times in the beginning, Steve and I were talking with our team back in the office. This was before we transitioned to teleworking and really sat down and said, what do people need to know and when do they need to know it? And we, we operated under what I call a people, people first philosophy. So we wanted um, internally, if there are things that were happening, we wanted our staff to know first, right? You needed to know from your department head before the entire organization knew what was happening in your department. Same thing was true with residents. We wanted, it's not that we don't want the media to share news with our residents, but we didn't want that to be the only methodology. We wanted them to hear from us as quickly as possible. So that meant that Steve and I had to be in complete um, sync with what we were sending out. So those emails that you referenced at the beginning, he sends that email, we post on social media, you see that happen within about a 30 minute swing because we felt like it was important that all of those channels were touched at the same time. Um, because I think it's true for every business and even though we are a government, you can look at us from a business perspective. COVID-19 has been interesting in that it is an external crisis and it is an internal crisis at the same time, right? And so you're juggling both of those at the same time. So it was a matter for us of looking at what are the resources that we have in play and how do we need to reprioritize them? And by talking as a team, we were able to pivot information to those specific channels. The library newsletter was able to speak on COVID um, in a unique way, but it was the same messaging that was going out in the city newsletter as community impact um, as social media, just tailored for the individual audience. Well, with COVID-19 being especially dangerous to our senior population, I know they've been a population that we've all been really concerned about protecting our, our parents and, and grandparents. I know the city used to do well checks. Yes. First, first, do we, do we continue to do those those automated calls? We do. We do. And we encourage everybody to sign up. You can get to that through our website. Great. So has the city put any new practices in place to better communicate with the seniors during the COVID? Yeah, that's a great question. And that was a concern of ours very early on. We had kind of a now and next strategy, like what do we have to deal with now? And what's the next thing that's coming? And can we start working on it? So to your point, addressing the needs of our senior population was one of those things that we knew was coming at us like a freight train. Um, there are a lot of things about COVID that we don't know. Um, but what we do know is that as your age increases, there's additional risk. So we had all kinds of challenges of what does this mean for 
getting groceries? How can you feel safe? How do we make sure that your social and emotional and mental needs are met? And how do we pivot our nonprofit community, you know, as a hub and a resource for them? You know, how do we connect those resources? And is there anything that the city can do? One of the most interesting things that we decided to do was to expand on that idea of the senior care calls. The, the call you mentioned is an automated call, as you said, and just to check and make sure, are you still um, answering the phone? Is everything still okay? But we said, what happens if you're closing the library and you're closing the senior recreation center? What happens to that social emotional connection, your faith community, all of those relationships, and we're asking you to stay at home. Is there a way that we can provide um, a connection point with somebody who just wants to chat with you and have a bond. So our senior care call service started and we used our librarians initially. We have other staff that are helping now. It's a biweekly call, a 30 to 45 minute chat, just friend to friend. And it's been so amazing to watch the relationships that are being built. And that was really to say, we know that you're staying at home and we know that's a hard choice. We're here uh, to connect with you. That's great. So how many calls? Right now, our sign-up list is a little over 100 individuals. So every every individual who makes the call on the behalf of the city has 10 or so individuals. And we hope to continue that program. We think that that's a vital resource, that there are a lot of people who become homebound, but there's a way that we can connect and it fits within the city mission. That's, that's wonderful. I think one thing we've all had in common during these last several months has been the information overload. So how do you take that daily influx of all that data that you spoke of, Steve, and articles and updates and determine what information is the most important to get out to our citizens? Yeah, that's a really good question too, Lisa. And you know, we even hear from people that would really rather not get the numbers and the data. You know, there's some people that just, they, you know, it's, it's negative, it's bad news. And a lot of people would rather not hear about it. But, you know, as consumers of information, people have to make their own choices. We want to be able to present it to them so that they can digest what they want. Something we did also early on in the pandemic was I put out an email that I called COVID-19 in the news. And I would divide it into different categories. And I do media monitoring every day. So I'm looking at all the stories that impact Plano, Collin County, Texas, so I divided into different categories, all the Plano-related COVID stories I put under one heading, and then I do Collin County, North Texas, because a lot of people are inter interested in seeing what's happening in our neighboring cities, and then Texas, things that apply to the entire state, and then other. And other, I look for stories that I think are either important stories that have really good, useful information that people would want to see, for example, one of the stories I, I posted yesterday deals with what are the best COVID-19 tests to take? What are your options and what should you do in terms of taking different types of tests? Because now they're presenting different types of tests. So that, that was, I thought, a good informative story that people want to see. So we'd send out all these links. And now we have a page on our website, Plano.gov, and it's, it's called Plano in the News. And again, I'm focusing specifically on those COVID-19 related stories. So when people want the information and they, instead of looking at 10 different publications, they can go to this webpage and they can get all this information right there, one place, easy to find. And you include those positive outcomes as well. So that's- Yeah. So well, that's you know, even, even when I was a reporter and that translated into this job, you know, doing communications, media relations, 
I'm always looking for positive stories. You know, it, there seemed to be a culture when I came to the city that the only time you deal with the media is when something really bad happens. But I get calls literally almost every day from reporters who are just looking for story ideas. And I can tell you from my experience, there are days where you go to the daily editorial meeting and you have to have story ideas when you go to this meeting. There's a lot of pressure on you to come up with something. And there's days where you look at all your different sources and it's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to pitch today? So they call me and they go, Stoller, you got anything? What's going on in the city? And I give them information and I give them stories. And if it's compelling, if it's interesting, and at least for TV news, if it, if it has a visual element that's compelling, 90% of the time they end up actually doing the story and get a really good story out of it. Yeah, that's great. I think, I think our, our coverage has really increased mm -hmm. since you've come on board. Thank mm -hmm. you. We have some more questions for Shauna and Steve, including their approach to consistent information sharing during a crisis and their approach to supporting the business community. But first, let's take a quick break for a message from the presenting sponsor of Plano Pulse, WorkSuites. At WorkSuites, you get back to work your way. Business addresses, co-working, executive office suites, we really thrive on helping small businesses expand their horizons from simply working out of the home. What's really nice is we're flexible with our terms. We don't require you to sign a lease with us, go month to month, or stay a couple of years. You may only need part-time space. You'll have a full kitchen, covered garage access. This is the ideal way to work through transitions in your business and get up to speed quickly. Private offices have dedicated Wi-Fi, furniture, 24-7 access. Call 888-445-9675 and check us out at worksuites.com. Members access all our locations throughout DFW and Houston. A significant advantage for meeting clients on their terms. We won't nickel and dime you. Go to worksuites.com or call 888-445-9675 to schedule your tour. You're going to love it here. 888-445-9675. Welcome back to Plano Pulse. We're here with Shauna Haley and Steve Stoller from the City of Plano. So one of the things that we've been so grateful for is the city's partnership with the chamber in sharing valuable information and helping to support and promote our businesses and nonprofits that have faced so many challenges with the impacts of COVID-19. Could you walk us through um, how you partner with the business community and nonprofit communities at this time? Sure. Well, of course, you know, the the city has a philosophy that we are only as strong as our partnerships. So we've always been very, very proud of our strong relationship with the Plano Chamber of Commerce. Um, same with our nonprofit community. Uh, I, I always, when I transition from private sector to public sector, just keep the philosophy in mind that that the role of the city is really a hub. You know, we are, we're not in the business of solving, we're in the business of connecting resource to resource. And so for us, we knew there was far more work coming with COVID than we could potentially do on our own, even if we were a massively large organization, which we're not. So one of the first things that we did was reach out to the chamber and we have a great team internally through our economic development department, of course, our neighborhood services team and the relationships that they have with nonprofits it allowed us in those early days when the city issued um, 
closure orders for restaurants and bars. I mean, very, very difficult time. For me personally, that was a very difficult time emotionally knowing the impact that would have on our business community. But to be able to call our partners and say, this is the news we need to share. Can we give you information and can you get it out? And we were able to notify all impacted residents, um, all impacted businesses within a four-hour period of time, including printed material getting to them. I just think that that's so remarkable. And we never could have done that without our partners. And so that's something we've cultivated over time. Uh, Steve and I talk about how the best way to be prepared for a crisis is the work you do in advance. It's not what you do in the crisis. It's did you build that strong relationship where you know the people when you make the call and it's a friend to a friend? Help me. <laughs> and and, and we, we work back and forth with one another. Internally, the same thing is true. We have so many questions coming in and that can come in through social media um, from a direct message or people will tag us and, and ask a question. They'll place a call. And we've learned these days they'll call on any phone line available. If a phone number is printed, a call will come in. It might come into the permit office about COVID. It might come into the city manager's office. It might come into my office. We wanted to make sure that we minimized frustration. This is a chaotic time. And the worst thing is the lack of information. And I think Steve probably will talk about this a little bit. But if you can control the amount of frustration that people have to go through, that's really a value add. Even if the end of the day, the answer is, I don't know. If all of us don't know together, at least that feels better, right? Instead of saying, I'm going to transfer you to so-and-so and transfer you to so-and-so. So we built internally an FAQ document of all of the information that we know. And every time that information changes, we update it and we share it out inside the city. So, um, Kelly, if you give me a call and you call the city manager's office, the answer they give you would be the answer I give you because we have it documented to make that simpler. And that FAQ, I'll tell you, Sean and her team has done a fabulous job putting that together. Because when this all started, there was a lot of fear and anxiety in the community, and that breeds questions. Mm -hmm. People had so many questions. Many of them came from the business community. And the FAQ, it could be a book. It's like everything you've always wanted to know about COVID-19. There's very few things in there that aren't covered. On the other hand, we're getting new questions every day. And whenever there's a new question, Sean adds it to the list. So th that's a really, really effective tool in answering questions. Well, you know, and the city was so quick in their response. And I know you, you've even set up a call center. Yes. Is that right? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, you have to consider the assets that you have at hand. And the emergency operations system actually, or center, I'm sorry, actually has a room that is designed to be a call center. COVID-19 changed the plans because how do you bring a group of people together in a room to answer phone calls? What what a unique problem. So, you know, we, we did a lot of planning and we turned this in about eight business days. Was there a way that we could use our existing systems, use our existing employees that might not be able to work in the facilities where they normally worked? So, for example, the call center staffed primarily with um, members of our library team. The libraries are closed. Those individuals, I don't know anyone who loves finding the right answer more than they do. And so they're working from the FAQ document. We were able to use our existing Skype system. So even if they were teleworking, we could pipe to their work line. They could answer on a work phone. We were able to turn on a plug-in and have a live chat also answered by those individuals through our website. So it's been really remarkable. So our staff have stayed busy and they've been available. That 
that call center is operational Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. If you call outside those hours, you can leave a voicemail and we will call you back. And it's been interesting because it also allows us to see where the community has questions. And it's provided a lot of information that we've been able to flow up to the state level to let them know that our residents are concerned. And it's allowed us to tailor our messages back out to the community. Um, there was a period of time that I was receiving a lot of phone calls. Where do I get a test? Where do I get a test? So we changed our messaging strategy and saw a direct impact 50% of the calls a week after we launched a new information campaign. So that's been very useful. So how do they access that call line? Do they have to go through the main switchboard or is there a special There number? is a special number set up. Um, you can get to it. The easiest way is to get to it through our Plano.gov COVID-19. That number is prominently displayed right. on that page. And we'll list it with this podcast Thank you. link as well. So it'll be easy to find. So we talked about this a little bit a few minutes ago, but um, I know personally, I've, I, I go through this. I think everyone in this room probably does, but it is very easy to focus on the negative um, in any situation, but I think it's all heightened right now, of course. Challenges that we're all facing together, it, a lot of, we just have a tendency, maybe human nature to go negative, but the city, you guys have done such a great job of finding those bright spots and celebrating the wins and the positives. Um, how did you go about kind of switching out of crisis mode when needed and finding those stories. And why do you think that's so important? As media relations director, I'm always looking for story ideas because, again, the reporters are calling me almost every day looking for things. And, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like them to focus, in addition to all the things that are happening with the crisis and the pandemic, I'd also like them to find some things that are positive. And, you know, just like with any disaster and in this case of a pandemic, there's always people coming to the aid of their neighbors, friends, and family. And in this pandemic, especially with senior citizens, there's so much being done just to try. You know, you can't always get out of your own home and feel safe. But there are people out there who are making that extra effort to lend a helping hand to the people who need it the most. So those are the kind of things we're looking for, you know, and you know, with, with every negative situation, and in some cases just a terrible situation, there's always something positive to come out of it. We mentioned the senior care calls, and there was a lot of interest in that from the media, not only locally, but once word got out around the nation that we were doing this and it was a novel idea, we were getting coverage on that all across the country. Then we had some calls from concerned uh, residents in Plano, uh, there was such an emphasis on social distancing and a lot of people would go to our parks and they would see people who weren't practicing the guidelines, you know, of, of maintaining a six foot distance. So we wanted to do something to try and let these people know, Hey, you know what? It's good for the community. It's good for your own health to social distance when you're in the parks, but we didn't want enforcement. You know, we didn't want uh, park police, so to speak, to go in, or even the police department. That's just not a good thing, not a, not a very positive way to solve the problem. So we, at this point, we had shut down several of our facilities, our recreation centers, pools. So some of those employees, we, we put them in the parks and we spread it out in the media. We called it friendly park monitors. And we put them in the parks and they all wore polos with the City of Plano logo on it. And their role was if they saw someone who wasn't social distancing, 
they would approach those people in a very, very friendly, non-threatening way and just give them some information about why it's important to practice social distancing. And that went over very well. And the media also was interested in that. And we actually had several members of the media accompany our friendly park monitors to show exactly what they were doing. Yeah, and I was going to say, and we also made that a more social experience by encouraging people to take selfies when they saw a park monitor. And I think that's one thing our team does very well is leverage social media. We have a reputation for uh, being as professional as we need to be on social media, but also having fun. So we keep an eye on trends and we're good at jumping on trends. Um, it's a little Plano in here is a good example of what we did several years ago. But gosh, could we have struck it out any luckier having John Krasinski do some good news. And so we were able to take all of those wonderful stories because Steve is looking at the stories internally. We had all kinds of folks emailing in saying, I'm donating food to this organization. My friends and I are doing X, Y, and Z. And so we did our own Some Good News Plano and pushed that out, did that for about eight weeks. So it was just another way to say lots of things might be canceled, but you still are in control of your own emotions and how you respond to incidents. Well, I can't believe it, but we're coming to the end of our show for today. I want to thank you both for joining us and highlighting why City of Plano is the city of excellence. So thank you for being here today. But I can't let it go before we'll ask one more question is, you're 24-7 in this, in this COVID world. So how do you step back and relax and chill and, and take time with your families and, and just uh, try to get away from it all? Well, I can't let... Um I can't let the Plano pride in me leave. I, I think Plano has some of the best trails in the entire metro area. And so I love, I, I run four or five times a week and that's free. And it's so restful because you can't look at your phone. You can't answer emails. You just enjoy the great outdoors. And we are lucky to live here. I've been spending a lot of time working from home. And there is something really nice about working at home because you can take a little break from the computer you can talk to the kids, talk to your wife, spend a little time before you get back to it. I enjoy cycling, so I've been hitting the, the roads on the weekends. Uh, also, uh, I'm happy to say uh, we just built a pool in our backyard, and the pool builder told us he's never been so busy in 20 years of building pools. I bet. And, you know, the reason why is because people are spending so much more time at home, and also I understand the spa business hot tubs. You can't get a hot tub or a spa because so many people are buying them because they're spending quality time at home. So that it just helps, you know, and it, I, I think that's another positive that comes out of this pandemic is families are spending a lot more time as a family. And that's got to be a great positive aspect of this. Well, thank you both for being here today. I know I learned a lot. I'm always secretly impressed with, well, maybe not secretly, I'll shout it from the rooftops. I'm always impressed with the services that the city provides. And I'm also so thankful for the partnership uh, with between the city and the chamber because it really is key. And you guys were great at providing us a lot of information in the early days of COVID-19. And I remember that day well when we had to send that message out to the restaurant community about the closures. And that was a really tough one. So thank you for being our partner in all of this, for sure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we appreciate this time. And if I could just plug, visit the Plano.gov slash COVID-19 website. We connect to the chamber there under our business resources. It's a, just a wealth of anything you need to know can be found there. Thank you. 
Well, we'd like to give special thanks to WorkSuites for their partnership as the presenting sponsor of Plano Pulse. Want to join WorkSuites as a Plano Pulse sponsor and get your business in front of our listeners? Contact the Plano Chamber to learn more. Thank you so much for tuning in to Plano Pulse. Please let us know what you think, share with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to tune in for our next episode. Hey everyone, Kelly Marcellus here, your president and CEO of the Plano Chamber. Are you looking to kickstart your Friday morning with dozens of local business owners and professionals? Set your alarm and join us for our weekly business interchange meetings for virtual networking worth waking up early for. Meetings are held at 7.30 a.m. every Friday morning on Zoom. Join us and share your 30-second commercial promoting your business and be the first to hear what's going on with other local businesses. Visit planochamber.org to learn more and we'll see you next Friday. Music